And you know. he's just very happy-go-lucky. And, and yeah. Sarah loves when people sing oh at God. her. So, okay, funny side story today. Devin showed me a TikTok video of a man being attacked and chased by a Canada goose. Oh, I thought we were going in a completely different direction. No. Why are you bringing goose into this? We're talking about guitars, because baby. Because those are my two fears in this world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Just to be clear, it's... Canadian geese being chased by a Canadian be, goose. being chased by a Canadian. So, so, mm-hmm. Hey, listen, you have a fear of sharks. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> How dare you? Canadian geese are far yes. more frightening. No, they are alligators. No, no chance against a Canadian goose. Welcome to the rom-com rewind podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Devin. And like you, I love rewatching movies over and over again. You found us somehow you probably love romantic comedies, which is great because we do as well. So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you, maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? Today we have The, the Fault, Fault in, in Our, our stars. stars. And wherever you're listening, please throw us a follow. As well, if you hear anything on any of our podcasts ever, reach out on Instagram, at Rom-Com Rewind, um, if you want to kind of continue that conversation. Also, we try to continue a lot of the conversations that happen on the pod on our Instagram account. So, at Romcom Rewind, throw us a follow. The Fault in Our Stars is a 2014 coming-of-age romance directed by Josh Boone. It's based off the 2012 John Green novel of the same name. The Fault in Our Stars is the story of Hazel Grace Lancaster, played by Shailene Woodley. We meet Hazel as a teenager living with thyroid cancer that has spread to her lungs. Hazel's parents, Fanny and Michael Lancaster, played by Laura Dern and Sam Trammell, convince Hazel to take part in a kind of like a weekly cancer patient support group. And although she is not thrilled with this, Hazel attends those meetings and meets Augustus Waters. He always says his full name. Hi, I'm Augustus Waters. Gus, played by Ansel Elgert. Gus had uh, lost his leg to bone cancer, and he and Hazel immediately hit it off, and that kind of begins our story of the fault in our stars. What are your thoughts on this film? And I think, like, even in the beginning thoughts, we should probably put a spoiler warning for the whole movie. I think I cried through the whole (laughs) entire movie. Like, it was, I was literally going to lead with, this is a sob fest. Okay. I think this is up there with my number one movie of making Sarah cry. Like, number one, you liked it so much. I loved this movie. Yeah. I thought it was really well done. Um, I haven't had a chance to read the book, but um, I think the adaptation to film was well done in terms of um, me crying. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it succeeded in making me cry. I, like, if the book made you cry, the I, movie made Sarah cry. I bawled. Yeah. Like I, Devin came upstairs at one point and I was watching the movie and he's like, oh my God, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just was watching the movie. And like my face was red. It was puffy. There were tears coming down my face. Like it, it's really a heart wrenching movie. But it's really good. I was going to say, like, we are two sides of a coin, Sarah and I, in that I love crying in movies. I love when a movie Mm -mm. can make me emotional enough to tear me up. Sarah, however, um, love-hate relationship with crying. I don't don't think I'll ever, (laughs) 
like this movie was really great, but I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. Really? Because of the sobbing. Like okay. I just, I, my heart broke. Like I just was really sad about it. Yeah, but it breaks in a beautiful way. Okay, so so yeah. no matter what kind of watcher of romantic comedies you are, <laughs> if you don't like crying in movies but you can appreciate the beauty, you're a Sarah. If you appreciate the beauty but also love crying and love getting all those emotions <laughs> out, you're a Devin. We're we're here to serve you. I think this is a beautiful film. It makes you feel so much and okay one thing that i find very interesting i think it's like so real in that the characters they're really complex around a topic that doesn't always make sense like let's be real grief loss it doesn't always make sense in the real world like your your reaction to 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 those things and i think they captured that that sometimes like irrational things you feel when faced with grief and loss um, this film is also paced wonderfully. Like, I'll be honest, staring down a movie that was over two hours long, when you know the core message is wrapped around this cancer diagnosis right. or multiple cancer diagnose- diagnoses, I guess, um, I thought like, man, this, this might be a slog to get through. Absolutely not. There is not a single scene. There's not an interaction or a moment where I thought, ah, oh, they didn't really need this in there. Like, everything I thought everything that happened I thought needed to be in the film and I thought it also gave enough hope. There was also enough love wrapped around these moments that were really difficult that it made it a lot easier to watch than I was expecting, if that makes sense. Like, I, yeah, I just thought like it might end up being a slog and it ended up being like, yeah, there are some big weep warnings in this. You're you're (laughs) going to cry your heart out uh, moment to moment, but it was done in a really beautiful way. And there was hope at times that was really important that like, it, I felt like I didn't leave the film feeling bad. No, Some, definitely not. Sometimes yeah. there are sad films that you, mm-hmm. you leave and you're like, that was, that was sad. And don't get me wrong. Like I like those at times because <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm like that. But this one I, I left and I cried, but I was like, that's yeah. Okay. That was, that was beautiful. And I want to be clear. It's not that I don't want to watch this again because <laughs> like it's not I a good movie. I will never watch this movie again. It's a, it's a really good movie and, and I really enjoyed it. It's just that I was weeping. And yeah, like you mentioned earlier, Devin, we're very different when it comes to like weepy movies. I don't want to sit there crying forever. It was a fantastic movie, though, I will say. I, I'm so excited. We... This is a little foreshadowing for the pod, but we need to talk all-time weep warnings yes. in romance movies because, like, I, I think about some on my list that I'm like, I, I would rewatch The Notebook tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Stop it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Like, let's, that's great. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. I'm so excited for it, though. <laughs> Let's dive into the fault in our stars. I believe we have a choice in this world about how to tell sad stories. On the one hand, you can sugarcoat it. Nothing is too messed up that can't be fixed with the Peter Gabriel song. I like that version as much as the next girl does. 
It's just not the truth. All right, Devin, you mentioned that we start off the movie with 17-year-old Hazel. She has thyroid cancer and lung cancer. She's at the doctor's office with her mom and the doctor. They believe her to be depressed. She does agree she is depressed, but because she's dying and it's terminal. Not because she's stuck at home with no friends, not doing anything. It's because she's ultimately realized, yeah, like I'm dying. Of course I'm sad about it. Her doctor and her mom want her to go to a support group. So she does go. And then she goes back a second time, not because it makes her happy to go to this, but because her it makes her parents happy. And can we just give a quick shout out to, I can't even remember the name of the guy who runs the group. Oh my God. He's basically just, <laughs> he's a speed bump. He is... <laughs> He's a joke. They they make jokes about how he had oh, he was diagnosed with cancer that was entirely curable, and he's made that his whole thing. That he now in, he th- there's just the joke that it's like now he's made it his thing where he lives in his parents' basement and he just goes to this group and sings, plays guitar and sings them church songs. Yes, and she's like and, that. and runs this support group with terminally ill patients, and you and know. he's just very happy go lucky. And and yeah. Sarah loves when people sing oh, at God. her. So. Okay, funny side story today. Devin showed me a TikTok video of a man being attacked and chased by a Canada goose. Oh, I thought we were going in a completely different direction. No. Why are you bringing goose into this? We're talking about guitars, because baby. Because those are my two fears in this world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Just to be clear, it's Canadian geese. Being chased by a Canadian goose. Be- being chased by a Canadian. So, so mm-hmm. hey, listen. You have a fear of sharks? No, no, no. <laughs> How dare you? Canadian geese are far yes. more frightening. No, they are. Alligators? No, no chance against a Canadian goose. Let me just give you a backstory on these Canadian geese. The university that I went to, <laughs> every spring they would have to put and block off entrances and exits to buildings around campus because there would be Canadian geese nesting around the entrances and exits and you could not go in or out of those buildings without being attacked i i saw someone be run down by a canada goose and since that moment i have been afraid and fearful of these canadian geese they actually have to on convocation day like when it's graduation day (laughs) this is a saga they hire an external company to come in and take all the geese off of the main field and bring them elsewhere for the day because that's how many geese are on this campus. Like, I am not kidding. It is a fearful situation. You know, I was golfing the other day. They're beefy too. Like, if you get a big one, they got thick necks. But so there is a joke that like Canadians are so kind and we're so, (laughs) but like all the latent anger that would be in our country just gets somehow digested into. I believe it's just the geese. The geese are angry for all of Canadians. That so that is a fear of mine, and also being serenaded via guitar (laughs) is a severe. Um, yeah, it's a situation for me. I can't handle it. Listen, I cannot handle it. Your claustrophobia, tight spaces. <laughs> your no. fear of spiders? No, no, no. 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 <laughs> it's the guitar guy in this movie, and it's a freaking Canada goose. Oh. That It also occurs to me, like, Americans have no stories about geese being angry in America. That's I find, not true. You don't know that. But I've never seen It's always, like, us Canadians are afraid of them. I am more than sure in the northern states there are Canadian geese or geese geese stories where they there are attacks we we need i know we're a romantic comedy podcast but we need your geese stories <laughs> send, ASAP. Us our, send us your goose send stories us, what, the rom-com goose 
<laughs> if a goose has attacked you or a person you know, tell us on Instagram at Romcom Rewind. And I will tell you now, a goose will not be our mascot. Are we supposed to get a mascot? No, I'm just saying. Oh, but in the it, event in we the do, future, it's not going to be a goose. Thank a God we got that one off the whiteboard. <laughs> not a goose. Okay. Okay, okay. This is, now we this can is, move on. We digress hugely. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Back to the story at hand. This second time that Hazel goes to the support group, she literally runs into a guy who she thinks is cute, and his name is Augustus Waters, and he had cancer a year and a half ago and lost a leg. He is there supporting his friend Isaac. He's also, right off the bat, we get the vibe from um, Augustus that, you know, like, I mean, Hazel is definitely very... She's having a difficult time. She's a lot more pessimistic about her outlook and about everything. And she needs to carry around this oxygen tank. And it's just, she, she's having a difficult time. Augustus is flying high. He's having a great time. He's very optimistic. Everything's going to be great. He even there's a thing of his character where he has cigarettes. He never yes. lights them. And it's kind of his like. It's a metaphor. It's a, it's a metaphor. It's a, it's a defiance. You confront the thing that will kill you, but you don't let it kill you. And it's, it is a very quick and needed breath of fresh air in the film, I think, to how Hazel has an outlook on things too. And then over here we have Augustus, who's just living totally differently. Yeah. And I think their arcs actually, like it's, it's an interesting arc for their personalities. So at the beginning of the movie, we have Augustus who is, extremely positive and Hazel who is a bit of a pessimist and throughout the movie you see that shift you see Hazel become more positive and Augustus has his own challenges which we'll get to um, but becomes a little bit more pessimistic throughout the movie yeah but there is a time period when they're both really positive so after the support group that day Gus asks Hazel to hang out let's go watch a movie what hmm? huh <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm free later this week. We could. No, I mean now. You could be an axe murderer. There's always that possibility. <laughs> Come on, Hazel Grace. Take a risk. She does. She tells her mom when he, she comes to pick her up that she's going to go and hang out with her new friend. And on their way to his house, Hazel tells him uh, her cancer story, that they found the cancer, thyroid cancer stage four when she was 13. And at Gus's house, once they get there, he asks you know, thanks for telling me your cancer story, but what's your real story? So, what's your story? I was diagnosed when I was 13. Your real story. I am quite unextraordinary. I reject that at the hand. What do you like to do? What are your hobbies? What are your passions? Like, what are things that you love? And she tells him about a book that she absolutely loves. And they exchange books and they start to hang out quite a bit. But after this initial hang, he doesn't call or text her for quite a while, and he tells her to come over to the house. So she does. When she gets there, Isaac, Gus's friend, who was also at the support group, um, who will be losing um, his other eye to cancer, his girlfriend just broke up with him, and so they have to, they're trying to make him feel better. He ends up, Isaac, breaking a lot of Gus's basketball trophies, and while Gus and Hazel talk about the books that they've read and exchanged. So here we have an interesting little like romance movie inception where we're watching a movie that's based on a novel. And in that novel, the main character is obsessed with another novel. I don't know what that means, but I thought it would be a great opportunity <laughs> for us to talk about best novel film 
adaptions. Okay. Specifically mm. for romances. Okay. They don't need to be romantic comedies. They can be just anything with romance. And actually, Sarah, I'm going to play a game with you. Oh, great. I can already tell I'm going to be bad at this. The game is... Because <laughs> I'm trying to think of them right now and I can't. Yeah. That, that, oh. So the game is, I've got a list of the best novels that have become romance films. Yeah, I'm going to be horrible at this. Yep. You get five. Great. You got to do the top five. Oh my God. But you need to do them as I go. Okay. So you're basically going to, I'm going to name them and you chime in like that's a top five. All right. Because the only, I'm going to say I'm going to be bad at this only because I don't read romance. I read a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Once you okay. use your five, mm -hmm. they're used up. Oh, shoot. You okay. see what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Starting with Sense and Sensibility. I believe that's Jane Austen. It the, is. I have not seen it. The movie came out in 95. Emma Thompson, that's great. We can move on to Forrest Gump, 1994. That's a no from Sarah. Oh, this one's tough. The Princess Bride. Oh, yes. Top five. Th that's a top five. Okay, ding. The Devil Wears Prada was based off a novel. Mm, that was really good. Mm, okay. I'm going to hold out. We're going to move on. Crazy Rich Asians, 2018. Oh, great one. That was really good. Ooh. Keep going. Okay. Breakfast at Tiffany's. You you can't go back, oh, by the way. Once I, I go I know, through, that I know, one's gone. I know. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Breakfast at Tiffany's, a classic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Breakfast at Tiffany's. Okay. That's two. Uh, the Perks of Being a Wallflower. To All the Boys I've Loved Before. The whole series. Oh, Yes. Yes? Oh, no. I don't know. Oh. Oh, I'm so... No, no. No? Okay. No. Moving on to oh, the... Oh, but it's so good. Hold on. Don't don't say anything. I'm still I'm still wondering. Yeah. I have two. You've done two. Oh, shoot. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who knew this game was oh. going to be so dramatic Okay, I'm going to pass, but it's really good, and I really want to put it on there. Okay. The pass is probably good because our next one is The Notebook. Oh, yes. The Notebook. Yeah. Easy. Twilight. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> no. Oh my god. Doesn't even belong on the list. To well, begin no, with. no, no, no. I'm not going to say like it's just like Kristen Stewart. You know, I just um, can't. The next one's actually another John Green novel, Paper Towns. Oh, I've never seen it. 2015. Okay. Uh, Safe Haven. No. Mm, Me before you. We we actually have that on our list. Amelia Clark. Oh my god! Yes, heart wrenching. Yeah. Is it on your list though? No. No. Okay. P.S. I love you. Oh, geez. Oh, my God. This is hard. I only have two left. Yeah, you only have two left. How many more do you have? Uh, I got like six. I'll take it. Yeah, take it. Next okay, I have we've one got left. Love, Simon. <laughs> oh, that one was really good. Too. That one was very I good. I really, really liked that one. That was cute. Okay, no. No? Okay. Stardust, 2007. That's your friend who cries. Uh, you hate how she cries from Homeland. Can't remember her name. <laughs> Claire Dane. Yes. <laughs> That's the only way I know her. I'm like, Sarah hates how she cries. Her name is what? No, Claire there's Danes. like, there are, like, if you look up Claire Dane's crying, <laughs> this it's is a, a thing. thing. Oh, okay. It's, it's not, not on just the list, me. though. Okay. Uh, the Fault in Our Stars, 2012, the movie we're doing yes. right now. Yes. Yeah, this one's on yeah, the list. Yeah, like, okay. I mean, you know what? The top it's five. So Let's do it. Sad. Uh, so, okay. Well, then you could not pick Pride and Prejudice. I also haven't seen that and one. And you could not pick Silver Linings Playbook okay. were the last two I'm I had. I'm okay with that. Um, I do have a question. Do we know if A Walk to Remember was a novel? Great question, That's Sarah. what I was holding out for. I've also got... But I can't um, remember. This is a little foreshadowing romance movies that make you cry. Uh, pulled up and A Walk to Remember is number one on their list. Yeah, it should be number one on their list. It's 
also a sob fest. Oh, based on Nicholas Sparks' 1999 novel it of is. the same okay. name. It is. I was holding out. That's why I wasn't sure if I should do my fifth because I was holding out for a walk to remember. Would you Would you have had a walk to remember I on your have. list? I would have. Wow. Yeah. What, what would you take off then? Probably maybe breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, I was going to say breakfast at Tiffany's. is yeah. the That would be my mm-hmm. pick too. Yeah. Well, there we have it. Sarah's top five uh, novel <laughs> yes. film adaptions. My and apologies for not having a walk to remember in the, the original That's okay. List. We'll, f- we'll forgive you. <laughs> we'll forgive you. But um, let us know what your your top five is. Yeah. If you have one that we should have on mm-hmm. our watch list too, let us know if yeah, we maybe. didn't mention it. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Or even if we did mention it, let us know. Yes. Or if we yeah, missed some. Come on. Tell us. Tell us what we missed. So part of this book exchange uh, is Hazel gives Gus a book and that book leaves a lot of questions that go unanswered and Hazel tells him that she has been trying to reach the author with many letters but to no avail. Gus calls Hazel later on and I'm assuming it's a few days later and tells her that he emailed the author's assistant and forwarded it to the author. She forwarded it to the author and the author actually replied. She even then emails the author with her questions. So Hazel says, Oh my gosh, Gus, you got a hold of this author. I'm going to email this author all of my questions that I have about this book. The ending of the book just leaves too many questions for me, and I can't die knowing that I don't have these answers. Peter Van Houten is yes. the author. I just call him Peter throughout the, or the author. <laughs> the, the, the author. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they end up continuing to hang out and they talk all the time. They do get a reply from Peter, the author. And he says he can't answer her questions in writing, but that if she ever finds herself in Amsterdam to pay him a visit, she absolutely flips out. Hazel's so excited. She tells her mom and her mom tells her, you know what? We don't have the money to go right now. I guess a few days later, Hazel has an MRI appointment and Gus is there waiting with flowers back at home for Hazel and wants to go on a picnic with her. So they do. Hazel tells Gus that the the one wish that she had when she found out she had cancer was that her family went to Disneyland. They had a wonderful Wonderful time in Disneyland. It was a great trip. But Gus can't believe that that's what she wasted, as he said, her wish on going to Disneyland. And he says, I never used my wish. I can still use it. Let's go to Amsterdam. He tells her at this picnic that he has used it. He's planned this trip to Amsterdam for them to go. But that night, or maybe a few nights after that, that this is very unclear throughout the movie, wh- how long the time period between conversations or days mm-hmm. happens. So that's kind of why I say like that night or maybe a few nights after that, she has she wakes up with fluid in her lungs where she can't breathe and has to be rushed to the eMERGE. But she's told that the fluid is out of her lungs, but there are no new t- tumors, which is really great. The doctor um, says, I'm sorry, but you can't go to Amsterdam on on this trip to meet this author. It's just not feasible with your condition. We don't know what would happen, you know, on an airplane with your oxygen and, and whatnot. And what if you got sick over there? And there's just too many variables. So when she gets home, she avoids Gus's phone calls, but ends up calling him after a while and hanging out. And she tries to break up with him. You trying to keep your distance from me in no way lessens my affection for you. All your efforts to keep me from you are going to fail. Look, I like you. And I like hanging out with you and everything, but I, I can't let this go on any further. I, I, I wouldn't mind. No, you don't understand. I do understand. No, you no, don't understand. No, I know what understand. you're trying to say. And I, I, Hazel, I'm saying I wouldn't mind. It'd be a privilege to have my heart broken by you. Gus, broken I'm a grenade. You. One day I'm going to explode. And I'm going to obliterate everything in my wake. And I don't know. I just, I feel like it's my responsibility to minimize the casualties. He does reluctantly agree but still wants to go to Amsterdam. 
Hazel's mom has done the ultimate best parent award in the world. She's convinced the doctors to let Hazel go to Amsterdam with Gus and the mom goes along with them for three days instead of six. This is something that, you know, would fulfill Hazel and um, by meeting this author and finding out the answers to all of her questions that she has. They land in Amsterdam and the author has set up a very cute and romantic date night for Hazel and Gus. Hazel's mom even uh, gets them and gets Hazel a new dress uh, for their for their little date night. And when Gus sees her, he is absolutely stunned. At this dinner, they talk about life and death. And the most amazing thing he tells her is that he's in love with her. Gus, I am in love with you. And I know that love is just a shout into the void and that oblivion is inevitable and that we're all doomed and that one day all of our labors will be returned to dust. And I know that the sun will swallow the only earth we will ever have. And I am in love with you. Yeah, there are so many beautiful moments in this film. This would be one. This is not my best scene, but I did love this scene a lot. Yeah, I loved when the the person at the restaurant, the waiter at the restaurant says, you know, champagne is little stars that burst in your mouth. Like, I just thought that was so cute. And so, so visual. Like, even though you couldn't see it yourself, just the way he described that, um, I thought it tied into the movie really nicely with what it's all about. Yeah. The next morning, they head out to meet this author, Peter. And they say, you know... Don't meet your heroes. They get, <laughs> Peter sucks. He does. They get to his house and he has all this fan mail all over the house and he tells his assistant to get rid of them. He doesn't want to see them. But since they're already in the house, he reluctantly does. Turns out he knows nothing of the dinner that he supposedly bought them the night before and really wants nothing to do with them. He ends up yelling at them and telling them that they're nothing and that people pity them because they have cancer. Played by Willem Dafoe. Yes. Who... Is a, you love to hate him. Like he, he, he's a great villain. He's a great villain. Yeah, he and is. he did it very, very well where you're like, this guy, this guy's sucks. disgusting. This guy sucks. This, I hate this guy. And you're right. Yeah. It's a, it's a kill your heroes. It's a don't meet your heroes. Yeah. So his assistant though. So Peter's assistant is very, very kind. I actually don't know why she's still his assistant. <laughs> Um, take, pays well, obviously. <laughs> probably <laughs> takes them sightseeing after apologizing. Of course, they go to the Anne Frank house and at the very top of the stairs, Hazel climbs and they share a kiss. So they're no longer just friends. They kind of make it adamantly clear that Hazel only wants to be friends for like about 10 scenes. And then after that, when they share a kiss in the Anne Frank house, everybody claps around them and it's just a special moment for the two of them. But you can see, you know, Hazel does love Gus back. It was also a, so there's a scene a little bit earlier on when they go on the picnic where uh, Hazel's dad kind of confronts Gus and is like, hey, you know, her lungs aren't great. She's going to try to keep up with you, but she won't be able to. And I love this film because they make Hazel's parents out to be like really great. Like they're so supportive. Oh my God, they're they're amazing. Yep, they're amazing. It might have been a little bit of them. Was there something of them like sheltering her? Because there are lots of stairs in the Anne Frank house mm-hmm. and they make it very clear like Hazel's having a tough time getting up all those stairs. Yeah. But she does it. And I, I was so worried. I'm like, shit, she's going to fall. Oh she's going to run out of breath. She needed to take a few moments here and there. But she did it. And I think I think it's what you were talking about, Sarah, of the optimism of Hazel kind of reaching where Gus was in that she wanted to take on that challenge and it was a little bit scary. You as the audience are like, this is scary, but she did it and she succeeded. Big ups to Hazel. 
So they get back to the hotel and they end up sleeping together. And she tells him finally that she loves him. The next morning they go for a walk. Oh my God, I cried. This oh, is like this was a weep warning. Absolutely. And when they sit at the bench, he tells her that his cancer is back. So I had a pet scan and it lit up like a Christmas tree. Lining my chest, my liver, just everywhere. You can assume from this conversation that he is now extremely sick. Um, and and it's funny because this scene made me think back to when he said, I never used my wish. Well, if he was cancer free, he may not have been able to use that wish anymore. But the wish may have come back or his ability to use that wish may have come back when his cancer came back. Yeah. There is a scene that is deleted from the movie oh. um, that has him uh, arguing with his mom. Like they have kind of a yelling match. And it's the first scene where you start to think that maybe his cancer's back, but they cut it from the movie. So this is the first time in the, this movie that we find out that his cancer is back. They get home uh, to the States and they're hanging out with Isaac, who had his surgery and no longer has his eyes. And he asks Hazel if, if he's written Gus's eulogy yet. And she finds out that Gus is looking for people to speak at his funeral when he does pass and Isaac's um, Isaac will be one person who does a eulogy and Gus was going to and is going to ask Hazel to be the other person who writes a eulogy for him when he passes. We also find out that Isaac's ex-girlfriend uh, did not even care enough to eat or to text him after his surgery to find out how he was doing. So they go and egg <laughs> her car. A Which hilarious, I was hilarious moment of rebellion. They even one of her parents yeah. come out and and Gus is like, listen, between us, we've got two and a half lungs, four eyes that are working. Like you yeah. should probably just let us do this. <laughs> go back inside. Go back inside. See you later. We're gonna egg your shit. Yeah. And then she does. And she's she's like, like, okay, okay, <laughs> bye. I'm yeah, bye. <laughs> this is happening. And at this point in time, we can really see the shift between Hazel being positive and Gus is, um, I guess, positively kind of drifting away. And fair enough. Yeah. He does begin to take a turn for the worse. That night, Hazel gets a phone call from him who is in a parking lot and needs her help. She gets there and the tube that he has in his side is infected and she calls an ambulance to take him to the hospital. When he gets home from the hospital, he's now in a wheelchair. Hazel's there waiting Um to talk to him and they talk about how he wants to be remembered for being great and all but hazel reminds him this is this is your life this is all you get this life with me with your family who loves you you don't need to be anything greater than that you're you know you can just be you and be okay with that mm -hmm. and gus does call hazel after asking her if she can come to the church with the eulogy that she wrote for him so of course she does she goes there and when she gets there, she finds out that Gus wants to attend his own funeral and hear the eulogies. And this is such a weep warning. Oh, this oh my was a God. big weep warning. This was my best scene, though, because, yeah. you know, even though I hate crying movies, yeah. this is a scene that just was so deep and really heartwarming and sad and heartbreaking all at the same time. There are infinite numbers between zero and one. There's point one. 0.12 and 0.112 and, and an infinite collection of others. Of course, there is a bigger infinite set of numbers between zero and two, or between zero and a million. 
some infinities are simply bigger than other infinities. You know, I want more numbers than I'm likely to get. Do I want more days for Augustus Waters than what he got? But Gus, my love, I cannot tell you how thankful I am for our little infinity. Yeah, it was oh. it was beautiful. Like was like I've beautiful. said, it, it's such a beautiful. We're even getting a little bit teary between the two of us. Oh. We're trying to plow through I know, here. I am. Um, but yeah, it's it's so beautiful, and you know, it's it's back to the whole like realness of this film, I guess. In that, like, I had never thought about it until we're in this scene, and when Gus is like, "I would like to attend my own funeral," I'm like, "I actually would too." If I was in the same situation as him, yeah, I would yeah. ask like. You know, what are you guys going to say about me? I, I would love to hear it because yes. so often, you know, what what Hazel said, mm -hmm. it's one of those things that so often you don't tell loved ones those things. So, Well, and they say, and she actually even says it later on in the movie, that, you know, funerals are for the living. A hundred percent they are. They're absolutely. So, yeah, a, a beautiful scene. So, warning. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm like trying not to look at Devin right now because I know I'm going to cry. Okay. The call comes in the middle of the night. Gus passed away eight days after that day in the church. <sighs> Do you he, felt like that was a little abrupt? I kind of, I was watching it. And I'm like, holy, wait, it happened? I no, you know what? I knew it was going to come. Okay. I knew because he wanted to attend his funeral. It was almost like his last piece. And then she does talk about how um, the last best day. Oh, and that how was, yeah. a lot of people who are very terminally sick or terminally terminally ill do have a really really they have a peak almost of where they're they're much better or they're you know those who have dementia they're lucid for a bit or things like that almost like a miracle and then it's a steady quick quick not a steady sorry it's a quick decline after that and they pass and it reminds me of like I mean not to be reductive but like. It's like that quote from Andy on The Office of when he's like, I wish somebody would have told me we were in the good old days when we were in them. It's kind of like that where yeah, like nobody yeah. tells you like, this is your last good healthy day. You don't know when it is. It just happens and it passes you by. Yeah. And then Hazel kind of talks about the the pain scale and, you know, one from one to 10. And every time she'd go in the hospital, they would ask, you know, what's your pain level? And she always said, you know, I, I was always, my highest has always been a nine. And... Now it's a 10. Because she was saving her 10 for. So she is, she said it's, it's nothing she's ever experienced before. And they go to the funeral and Hazel gives her eulogy. But it's not the eulogy she gave to Gus himself. It's one for the family. It's one for the people who have showed up for Gus. Because it's just not the same as if Gus were there. Yeah. But guess who shows up? Peter the author. Peter Van Houten. I've got a question that I actually forgot to get to earlier. I had it on my list of, you know, this is a big piece of the film. Hazel needs to hear from this author, you know, what happens at the end of his story that yeah. he wrote. Mm -hmm. I've got a question for you and you listening. I'm sure you can think of something as well. Um, a book, a show, a series, something made by some kind of creative. What do you need to have an answer for what what would you love to you know for example i've got on my list mm -hmm. george rr oh my god creator of game of thrones <laughs> we know he's said publicly like how hbo ended game of thrones that's not how i would like to end game of thrones but the guy's not writing the books he's not finishing his book so i would it's love true. to just sit down with him and say 
what was your plan? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Tell us more. Like, tell us the actual ending. Okay. Mine is like quite broad, but I really, I, I, whenever it comes up, like whenever I see it on, on TikTok or whenever I see it on Instagram, I'm always like, oh, so intrigued about it. Yeah. So there's this, there's this thing where they say that all Disney movies, the OG Disney movies are connected, interconnected to, connected to some of the new ones. So for example, there's this theory that Tarzan's parents are actually the same parents as Anna and yes. Elsa from Frozen. I've heard that, yeah. I want those answers. I want to know, because Tarzan was made like... 90s? Yeah, 90s. And, you know, we know Frozen was made in the like 2010s. Um, I want to know if they had that forethought and planning over decades. Like... There's other there's other tie-ins of other movies between characters and things like that that I I do want those answers. I want to know, are they the same parents? Are they all related? Like are they related is Tarzan really their sibling? Like who was lost at at sea? Like what happened? I want to know. Cuz that is the story. Or that mm-hmm. that is a yes, theory that's that very the theory. popular. There's there's several of them. Um they all kind of intertwine. Uh you, I'm sure if you looked it up on TikTok or Instagram, I'm sure you'd find a reel, but that's that is one question that I have always thought of. The creators of The Last of Us, which was a video game turned oh. series now on HBO, which season one is out. It's amazing. The video game, and I mean this is kind of like a departure from, but it's still a creative, it's still a story being told, even though it is a video game. It's beautiful. Like similar to The Fault in Our Stars, it's gonna make you sad. It's gonna make you cry. It's gonna make you feel a lot. I would love to just chat with the creators. Um, just about the inspiration behind it, I mm. guess. Like as as somebody who's a new father, and that is a big theme throughout, I guess, video game and now series. Um, yeah, I'd just love to learn more about that. So yes, at this point, Peter Van Houten has, he kind of just barges into Hazel's vehicle. Like he was at the funeral and she's kind of like, what is he doing here? And then she leaves and he gets into her vehicle with her. Yes, and we find out that After they left Amsterdam, Gus kept in touch with this author, telling him how horrible of a person he is, but that he has asked Hazel to write her eulogy and that he wanted to write Hazel a eulogy for when the time comes that she passes, but he didn't know how to put what he wanted to say in words. And we do find out that why he, Peter is so cynical is because his daughter, that book that Hazel loves so much is based on his daughter who had cancer and passed away. And Hazel does feel sympathy for him at that point, but also thinks he's still a piece of shit. However, he does say he he does try to dive into um, the trolley uh, experiment or the trolley. um, I don't know if you've ever heard it. Have you ever heard the trolley experiment? Okay. Yeah, so he does try to do it. He tries to dive into it with her, but she cuts him off and says, you know what, like, I just want to be alone. I don't want any more of your crazy thoughts from a drunk that I have no longer, like, that I have no respect for. So he says, okay, well, take this. This is what Gus wanted me to give you. Or, yeah, Gus wanted me to give you this. And she doesn't believe him. She scrunches it up and throws it in the back of her car. She goes on her merry way with a left-in-the-cold Peter, the author, Isaac comes over to Hazel after uh, the funeral and asks if she got the letter from Peter because he came all the way from Amsterdam to give it to her. Isaac clarifies that Gus wrote it and sent it to Peter. 
She runs to the car and reads it. And it is a complete and utter sob fest for Sarah. It's another weep warning. This is the big weep warning, I would say. You, you thought it was the other eulogy, oh but now it's, now it's this. So sad. It is. I can't even say. It's, it's the eulogy <laughs> for Hazel from Gus. See, the thing is, we all want to be remembered. But Hazel's different. Okay. Hazel knows the truth. She didn't want a million admirers, she just wanted one. And she got it. Maybe she wasn't loved widely, but she was loved deeply. And isn't that more than most of us get? Um, and she kind of, at the end of it, lies her back on the lawn in her backyard, and she's looking up at the stars, and it... Yeah, like I said, I mean, like, this film, it, it makes you sob here in the last scene, but it also ends on a hopeful note, I think, with her smiling looking at the sky like it's it's such a well done movie and yeah it's it's a big weep warning at the end huge was that okay let's before we dive into quick facts let's do it okay biggest weep warnings like i'm talking like what made you cry the most in romance history wow all right the nominees are can I, how do you want to do this do you have a i've got the list okay uh, so my number one mm-hmm. the notebook not mine really no no i can safely say that i have not watched a walk to remember since it came out because <laughs> i <laughs> i bawled but i have to say i think this one really the fault yeah. in your in our stars mm-hmm. is number one for sarah i think so in in most recent history yes i have not watched a walk to remember in s- probably 20 years so is that a one to a fall uh a fault, yeah. yeah the fault in our yeah, stars walk a walk to remember, remember then the notebook then i the can notebook. handle the notebook it, the notebook. It, okay, when you're comparing the Fault in Our Stars and the Notebook, let's just compare the two for a second. <laughs> let's, let's do it. It's a different type of heartbreak. Yeah. Um, the Notebook is still you. You you believe in love. You believe in the hope that they have and they found each other and that they love each other so much that they died at the end together. Like it was heartbreakingly wonderful. Yeah. This is heartbreakingly sad, but still beautiful. Yeah. The Fault in Our Stars is a beautiful movie that made me cry my eyes out. Okay. But it's it has hope, but it's it's full of sadness. Yeah. You know? Okay. And heartbreak. I mean, I think The Notebook is full. Uh, I've got The Notebook at number one. Okay. I've got The Fault in Our Stars at number three. Oh, okay. What's your I've team? got A Walk to Remember at number five. Oh, whoa. So we're going to fill in the blanks here. <laughs> what? Number two. Okay. I feel like I'm forgetting something. P.S. I love oh, you, Sarah. Come yes, on. But it would the be below. The note at the end, the letter. Yeah, I know. It's very, very, it very, very sad. made me a man sad. by loving me, Holly. Oh, gets me every time. I think it's maybe for you because it's from the man's perspective, that, That's true. Right? It probably is. Yeah. Yeah, that, that hits bigger. It, I, I also, I think about time at number four. Oh, yes. About time, but... Yeah. I th- because, yeah, you know, sad. his father passes away mm-hmm. and that, yeah, that's, you know, male love camaraderie was a big thing in that, I guess. And like, you know, father, son, love. Yeah, it, that that hit me a lot. So I would put that at number four and a walk to remember at number five. Anything, I, I mean, I've got some honorable mentions. That's honorable mention. Time Traveler's Wife. Oh, I haven't seen it. You can lock that in at number six for me. I really wanted to put it on the list. Marley and Me. 
It's a dog. Oh my god, oh. no! Anything with a dog, I can't watch. It's like a, I watched it, and I will never watch it again. That's a different kind of weep. It though. is. It's yeah. a different weep. Yeah. It's that is like oh no, oh no. Um, I've got the vow. I've got Brokeback Mountain. I've got Remember Me. I've got the last song. A Star Is Born. All the bright places. The lucky one. All just honorable mentions. Yeah. Know? Yes, I agree. Some of those I haven't seen, but um, yeah, all all very heartbreaking you know, sad movies. And once again, if you have Point. something that you cried so much watching and you didn't, we didn't mention it, feel free to let us know. And now quick facts. The title is a variation on a quote from act one, scene two of William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. Cassius says the fault dear Brutus is not in our stars, but in ourselves. John Green based the book on being a chaplain in a children's hospital. He based the character Hazel on a young girl named Esther Earle, who was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Green met her during a Harry Potter convention in 2009, noticing her carrying an oxygen tank. He came to like her because some of the videos she put on on YouTube, as well as her humor and openness. From the time they met to her death at the age of 16 in 2010, Green and Earle would exchange correspondence. John Green was actually present most of the time during filming to give tips and advice to the cast. Nat Wolf wore blinding contacts, which blurred his vision to better portray his role as Isaac. The character of Augustus Waters originally had a deep had deep blue eyes, according to John Green's novel. But in the film, Ansel retained his natural hazel colored eyes. Green added via Twitter about Shailene Woodley's audition for the role of Hazel. He said, there were so many amazing auditions for the role of Hazel, but Shailene's love for the book and her understanding of Hazel blew me away. He went on to say, we were all crying. It was actually sort of bad, he laughs, but it was hers from the moment on, from that moment on. She had even written impassioned letters to the author, John Green, and the director, Josh Boone. Shailene Woodley insisted that her friend Ansel Elgert read not just the script, but also the novel before his first meeting with the filmmakers. He said, I thought if I tell her I haven't read it, she'll be mad during our audition and it would be a mess, he recalls. So I literally read it for Shailene. In the movie Divergent, Shailene Woodley and Ansel Elgert play brother and sister. Interestingly, also came out in 2014, so they spent a lot of time together. They did. (laughs) Around that time. Soon after the film's release, the street bench on which Gus and Hazel had their embrace was stolen. A few months later, it was replaced by the city of Amsterdam. Since the film's release, the the bench had quickly become something of a landmark for fans of the film, where they frequently come to take pictures of themselves while reenacting the scene. Shailene Woodley cut her waist-long hair, which she needed for her role as Triss in the Divergent series Insurgent, to a page boy haircut and was not able to wear a wig. She donated the hair to a local children's hospital that makes wigs for kids. In the book, Gus says that he was originally interested in Hazel because she looked like his ex-girlfriend who died from a brain tumor. He explains that his ex was very mean to him, called him Stumpy and whatnot, because she didn't know what she was saying due to the tumor. In the movie, his ex is not mentioned. The restaurant sequence was intended to be shot on location in Amsterdam and outdoors, yet The production designer, Molly Hughes, eventually decided to have a replica set built back in Pittsburgh as, during her location scouting trip, she assessed the constant poor weather in Amsterdam in mid-October and would make it tough to film. These location sets, as well as the interior entrance hallway of Peter Van Houten's house, were built on a soundstage in Pittsburgh. 
The scenes involving Peter's home in Amsterdam were shot in three locations. The street exterior scenes were with Hazel and Gus were actually shot in Amsterdam, including outside the address of 162. When the, shot, uh, when the shot cuts to the door opening and the inside stairs and entryway that are seen, this was a recreated set on the soundstage in Pittsburgh. Once the characters are inside the living room of the house talking, these shots were filmed in a house in Pittsburgh in Lawrenceville, in a Lawrenceville neighborhood. A replica of the interiors of the Anne Frank house had to be built as the movie was denied permission to film inside the actual house in Amsterdam. In the book, Augustus describes Hazel as resembling Natalie Portman from V for Vendetta. Although this is never mentioned in the movie, a poster of V for Vendetta can be seen in Gus's bedroom. Shailene Woodley and Ansel Elgert were the only American cast members who actually made the trip uh, to film in Amsterdam. Laura Dern and Willem Dafoe did not make the trip to film in Amsterdam. All scenes with them were filmed in Pittsburgh. The book that the two main characters discuss, analyze, and center around is called An Imperial Affliction by Peter Van Houten. This book does not actually exist in reality. In Gus's room, a sign of a car about to hit a cow with the word beware can be seen. This may be an allusion to John Green's other novel, Paper Towns, in which the characters nearly run into a cow. Before Shailene Woodley was cast, Haley Steinfeld, Leanna Liberto, and uh, Mary Ann Wiles were considered for the lead role. John Green endorsed um, as well Mae Whitman as the initial casting choice for the role as Hazel Lancaster. Bretton Thwaites, uh, Nat Wolf, Nick Robinson, and Noah Silver were also considered for the male lead of Augustus Waters. In the book, Augustus introduces Hazel to his favorite band, The Hectic Glow, and they listen to their music together. Even though this conversation is never shown in the movie, the band's poster can still be seen on the wall in Hazel's bedroom. Nat Wolf plays an, in another John Green written character, uh, Quinton, in the movie Paper Towns in 2015. In the egg throwing scene, a street sign shows Eaton Drive. The house that receives the thrown eggs is located at 1304 Summit Drive in the Pittsburgh suburb, suburb of Oakmont, opposite the T intersection with Eaton Drive, in case you really want to. <laughs> I really want to go there and re egg it. The character Isaac originally had blonde hair in John Green's novel, but Nat Wolf retained his natural black hair for the film. The interior scene of the hotel lobby, supposedly in Amsterdam, is really the interior of the McCook Mansion on Fifth Avenue in Pittsburgh's Shadyside neighborhood, now a bed and breakfast. The name of the first book Hazel Grace reads is Counterinsurgents. The film that Hazel and Gus watched together on the plane is Aliens from 1986. Laura Dern and Shailene Woodley went on to both play mothers in the HBO limited series Big Little Lies that came out in 2017. Willem Dafoe starred in Spider-Man in 2002 as the Marvel villain Green Goblin. Shailene Woodley starred as Mary Jane Watson in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but her scenes were cut. This is when Gwen Stacy was the love interest. That's right, played by Emma Stone. Around one hour in the movie, Augustus and Hazel are drinking champagne, but in the Netherlands, drinking alcohol under the age of 18 is prohibited. The t-shirt Hazel is seen wearing the night Gus dies is the same one that Gus wears the first time they meet. A scene in the book, but absent in the film, had Gus and his mother in a shouting match. This is what I talked about earlier. This would have taken place just before Gus and Hazel were seen at the airport departing for Amsterdam. If this scene was included, it would have provided the earliest hint at Gus's cancer relapse. In the movie, Gus ends his letter with, Okay, Hazel Grace, and Hazel answering with, Okay, while in the book it only ends with, I hope 
She likes hers. And Hazel answering, I do, Augustus. I do. Honorable mentions. It's gotta be, for me, I already mentioned them, the parents. Oh, I know. I had them How up there. How often do mm. we get, and I get like this is a different type of romance, but it's so easy to have toxic or non-loving or just like absent parents in a romance film. We see it all the time. Or even just like lackluster, kind of like wallpaper yeah. parents. They remind me a lot of Easy A. Yes, 100%. All of Pendergast's parents mm-hmm. are amazing, played by Stanley Tucci. Um, I felt the same in this. I, I thought like, you know, obviously they have some misgivings here and there. I, I'm so glad you didn't mention it, actually. They do their best. I had a weep warning right off the top of this film. Did you? That you didn't mention. Okay. It was when we're doing a flashback to when... Um, oh, yes. Oh, my God. I know exactly what you're talking about, but... Explain when when Hazel is sick and it's it's the time that they think she's actually like going to pass away and her mom is telling her like it's okay to let go. I did also cry at that point. Yes. Oh, he's crying right now. This is more sad because then she the parents embrace and the mom is like, I'm not going to be a mom anymore. Oh, oh my gosh, that 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 might have gotten me more than any of the other ones. Anyway. Beautiful acting by both of those uh, actors. I mean, Laura Dern yes. is amazing. But yeah, that, that scene got me and I thought just amazing performances. I would like to honorably mention the tears from my eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> Can you honorably they mention were, mine They too were in because... a constant stream down my face yeah. <laughs> throughout this entire movie. Gosh. <laughs> that is who I would like to, or what I would like to honorably mention. My yeah. uh, the tears from my eyeballs. You know, I mentioned <laughs> it, it, like I thought it might be a slog to get through the movie watching it, and it wasn't because it's so beautiful. A little bit of a slog to get through this podcast because I've been crying, like recrying a little bit during the pod here. It We're was on, a, it was a beautiful film. Uh, what should have been? I don't think I have what uh, uh, what should have been because the way that it the the story was told. It was never going to be fair. It was never going to be the best outcome for any of them. Um, so I think I think I I have I have no what should have been. I like I kind of what should have been like the rom com industry or romance industry in that like this came out in twenty fourteen. Th- there was kind of a dead zone for for romances. And rom-coms between like maybe 2015 to 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want to, like, like the other film, Paper Towns by the same novelist, John Green, came out 2015. And you can just tell like it didn't quite hit the way The Fault in Our Stars hit. And I feel like not much was hitting around that time. And I just, I just want us to get back to making films like this. And the, um, to all the boys series is, it was a great start to that. And we've had a few, you know, movements forward in the genre, but I think like stuff like this, can we get back to making stuff like this? I, I think, I think the gold is making rom-com books into movies like oh, red yeah. white and royal blue which we have yet to do i'm really totally. excited to do it that's a novel it's based on a novel yeah. and all these novels resurgence of doing um these these novels and turning them into rom-com movies i i think i think that's just pure gold so hopefully we see more about that and overall rewatchability i've got a chemistry 4.5 fantastic chemistry between uh, Ansel and Shailene. 
Which is hilarious that they would play brother and sister the same year in the Divergence series. It feels yes. weird. Like, yeah. I, I don't think about the Divergence series, so it's funny. I watched The Fault in Our, uh, the Fault in Our Stars, and then Sarah mentioned it to me. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm glad you didn't mention it before because that, yeah, no. It's because I hate his character in Divergence oh, really? series. So. Well, I thought the chemistry was fantastic <laughs> in this. I thought the storyline was even better. A perfect five yes. out of five for storyline for me. Um, Thirst Factor is tough for this one. So I just put it at an even like 4.3. I kind of averaged out what I'm hitting for because it's, yeah, I feel like it's a sidebar in this film. Um, Imagination 4.7, soundtrack of four cheese a 4.8 i've got an overall score of 4.55 out of 5 which is anything above a 4.5 the way i do it is like you're approaching all-time great territory if you're above a 4.5 and this one just reaches into that territory in my mind it's fan freaking tastic and already based on Sarah's reactions, I can tell I this is a film that I'm going to love more than Sarah. So I'm assuming our numbers. Again, it's not that I didn't love this movie. <laughs> I just it's so cry filled like it's so tear filled. But anyway, I love it. My rewatchability is as follows. Chemistry 4.3 storyline. Perfect five. Thirst factor 3.8. Imagination uh, complete five. Soundtrack 4.2. Cheese four. For an overall score of 4.38. 4.38? Okay, that's still a very good score. This has been the Rom-Com Rewind of The Fault in Our Stars. Wherever you're listening, throw us a follow, all that kind of stuff. And if you ever want to reach out about anything, just honestly throw us a DM out of nowhere. At Rom-Com Rewind. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.